Well, greetings to all of our family and friends. This is the senior pastor of This Rock International, Apostle Nathaniel Leon. I want to welcome you to our Freedom Global Prophetic Podcast. We are excited that you are with us. We are in anticipation of the word of the Lord today, but most of all, the presence that his word brings. The Bible says, the spirit of God is upon me because he has anointed me. Isaiah 61 verse 1, we are seeing the spirit because of the anointing. And the anointing is the word and the mind of God. Again, Isaiah 61 verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because uh, he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. I want to encourage you. We are going to experience the presence of the Lord in a mighty, mighty way because of the anointing. And I want to encourage you. The anointing is the mind of God. We're going to be sharing the mind of God, the heart of God. So I want to welcome you again to our Freedom Global prophetic podcast. We're praying the grace and blessing of the Lord over you, over your family, over your household. And as the word of God goes forth, we're asking for him to grant grace and wisdom to the hearers of the word that we would be encouraged in our inner man, in our inner woman. So I want to welcome all of you joining. So good to see you, Gloria uh, Ruiz. Welcome to the podcast. Pastor, Pastor Medi, so good to see you. The Lord bless you. Sister Teresa, the Lord bless you. Sister Lupe, God bless you. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, all of you that are joining in, we pray the grace and blessing of the Lord over you. Lin- Lynette, welcome to the podcast. We're, we're doing the work of the evangelist. You'll watch me in just a moment. I'm going to share. I'm going to take my phone out and I'm going to hit that share. I'm going to hit that tag button. I'm going to pray the grace and blessing of the Lord over this podcast. And again, as God spoke this to me, that we ought to do the work of the evangelist. What is the evangelist work? That is to share the good news of Jesus, to speak of his goodness, his power, his provision, and his favor. So I want to encourage you listening all under the sound of my voice that God is ready to move in a supernatural way and to release his grace, his goodness. So if you would, if you've been blessed by the podcast, if you're in anticipation of the word of the Lord, please hit that share button. There are three buttons there. You can hit that notification button there and you can receive notifications on YouTube and on Facebook whenever we are live so you don't miss what we're doing. Bless you, Sister Sandra. Welcome. Sister Margaret, welcome. Uh, Brother Eric, welcome. Uh, Sister Cameo, the Lord bless you and increase you. So wherever you're watching, whether you're watching on our YouTube platform live or our Facebook platform, or you're listening to us via our Charisma podcast streaming network, we're praying that God would increase uh, your hearing of the word and strengthen you while the word of God goes forth. And if it ministers to you, be sure to share that button and be sure to share that, uh, that uh, share and like what you're hearing so that God can be glorified through the power of his word, reaching those that are in need. Bless you, Brother Danny Bonet. Welcome to the podcast. Bless you, Pastora Lorraine. God bless you and your husband. We're grateful that you're with us. I'm going to get straight to the word. We're going to the book of Romans 8.21. And uh, this, again, is RTA week. I'm wearing uh, my RTA shirt. We're preparing for raising the altar in San Diego this uh, weekend. It's going to be a phenomenal time of the power 
and the presence of God. It starts just in two days, August 18th, 19th, and 20th in the city of San Diego with our good friends, Apostle Rocky and Pastor Emlyn Martinez and the Life Christian Center family. The grace and power of the Lord is gonna be there. So you don't wanna miss that, but let's start with Romans 8, 21. We're going to read this and go into a brief time of prayer. Bless you, Sister Yolanda. Bless you, Ada uh, M. Richardson. So good to see you. Romans 8.21 says that the scripture tells us that the creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious freedom of the children of God. I want to encourage you. God is getting ready to release glory. You've seen parts of this. You've felt it and you've sensed it. But let me encourage you. There is a glorious freedom that is going to manifest on our generation. First Kings chapter 18 and verse number 30 deals here. First Kings, God bless you, Sister Lisa. Welcome. Bless you, Miss Green. So good, to, so good to see you on the podcast. The Lord bless you and increase you. And I pray more testimonies come in. Uh, and Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. Now, let me reiterate to you, God is looking to advance his people through proximity. Who you are around and what you are around will activate who you are in the kingdom of God. We're going to talk about that coming near, near to God, yes, but near to the people God has assigned to you to help you fulfill your destiny. And all the people came near to him and through this proximity, he healed. The, the word repaired there in the Hebrew is the word rafa, which means to heal. So the altar is a living entity. You are lively stones built together for a habitation of the Lord. You are a lively stone and an altar. And the Bible says he healed the places that the altar was broken down. Verse 31 says, and Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the Lord said, Israel would be thy name. So now he's taking 12 stones to symbolize the 12 tribes. Each tribe symbolized a stone. And Jacob was the name of these stones, but a new name would be given, a new identity and a new calling. And verse 32 says, and with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. So each stone was a letter in that altar, if you would say so. Each stone was a piece in a grander picture. We're going to talk about that, about lively stones coming together in the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray according to your word that men and women would be strengthened on this podcast, that wherever they're watching me and whatever they're dealing with, you would be that light in the midst of the darkness. You would be that peace in the midst of the storm. You would be that doctor in the sick room and you'd be that lawyer in the courtroom every area that that man and woman of God is looking toward you manifest provision, power, and direction. I pray according to your word that there would be a release of the grace of your spirit. Manifest favor, manifest revelation, and as we hear the goodness of your word today, speak to our hearts that you would get glory and you will get honor. Miracles, signs, and wonders accompany the teaching of your word today, and we'll give you glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say amen and amen. Amen. Also, thank you for joining us, Sister Nicole, Sister Bianca. Welcome, Sister Barbara. Welcome to the podcast. Verse 30 says, And Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. 
I want to encourage you. There are men and women in your life. Blessing Sister Eunice, welcome to the podcast. Sister Melissa, again, welcome. I want to encourage you. There are people in your life. They are your Elijahs. They are your Elijahs and your Elishas. They are your Johns and they are your Jesuses. They are your Marys and they are your Marthas. They are the ones who God is going to use to help you get to your destiny. People that God has sent into your life to be catalysts and catapults into your next dimension. And this is difficult because we, as prophetic people, as men and women in a journey, and we're going from one destination to the next, we are moving in transformation. You see, they were called Christians in the book of Acts at Antioch, and they never called themselves a Christian. It meant I was like him. But they would say, I'm on the way or I'm on the journey. I'm on the journey of becoming like him. So I want to encourage you, we are on the journey. And on that journey, there are situations we will face and there are disappointments we will face and there are wounds we will face and there's oppositions we're going to face. But let me encourage you that everything the devil meant to destroy you, God is going to use to bless you. That's why destiny helpers are coming to you to help you fulfill the assignment, the thing that God called you to do, the mission, the mandate, the people that are going to lift your hands. Some of them are going to be your elders, your 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 I won't say superior in in the, the realm because we're all one in Christ, but your your leaders, they're going to be your heads. Some are going to be your your peers, and some are going to be your subordinates or people you lead. You will have leaders, you will have peers, and you will have those that you lead. You will have those above you, you will have those next to you, and you will have those under your authority. This is how the kingdom the kingdom system works. The family system works. You've got parents. You've got brothers and sisters. And you've got children. So at a, at a moment, you will be a son or daughter under the authority of a father or mother. At a time, you will be a brother and sister at, at a peer level with those next to you. And at times, you will have people under your authority and you will be a leader and possibly even a father and mother to them. This is the law. Bless you, Sister Cindy. The Lord bless you. Uh, welcome to the podcast. I want to encourage you that God said he needs us. Verse 30, Elijah said to the people, come near. And proximity is the key for healing in this season. Being connected to the right place and the right people are going to help you be well. None of us, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point at myself, none of us can do what we need to do for the kingdom of God by ourselves. I know we're used to doing it alone. I know we may have grown up as black sheeps and we're used to being isolated and separated. But again, you need the help that God is sending you and they need you to be helped that you're sending them to be. Covenant is exchange. It is mutual exchange between two hearts. Are you hearing me? Elijah said to the people, I need you to come near. Elijah represents the prophetic. Elijah represents the, the ordained prophetic and apostolic, even though that function was invisible in the Old Testament. It's the order of, of the, the, uh, the ordained, healthy kingdom authority that God is ministering through. There are the prophets of Baal. They are the Jezebel system that is not of God, that is not healthy. But there are the Elijahs, they are the Daniels, they are the, the real men and women of God. And Elijah represents that one. And he said, I need you to come near. The word come near is the word nagash. And it means to draw, to approach, to come close. It means intimacy. 
It means to approach, to come near into an intimate position. Now, this requires vulnerability. That's why we don't like it. I'm not saying you, I'm saying we. The proximity that we need from the people around us to transfer what God has given us into the life of other people, it requires closeness. But when we've been wounded and hurt in previous seasons, we will distance ourselves, I'm talking to myself, from the people that God has sent to us. And now this distance creates a gap in the Holy Ghost. I don't know who I'm talking to. Here is what the Bible says according to Ezekiel chapter Chapter number 22, we're going to look at that in a minute. The Bible says one of the jobs, one of the jobs of the believer, the man and woman of God is to stand in the gap. Hear me, is to close up the breaches. Said they will be those, Ezekiel 22 verse 30 tells us, 22 verse 30 said, I sought for a man that they should make up the hedge, that we would stand in the gap before the land that I should not destroy it. You see, destruction comes when there is gaps. I'm going to say this again. Destruction comes when we're, when we're not where we need to be, when we leave a vacancy in the spirit. And I want to encourage you, each of us have a calling and an assignment and a post in the Holy Ghost. You can write that. Put that in the comments. I have a post in the Holy Ghost. I have a, an assigned place and I cannot vacate that place or I leave a gap for the enemy to come in. I have a post in the Holy Ghost. Well, what is my post? In order for you to discern that, it's going to take relationship. And the church is not very good at relationships. I'm speaking about leadership. But I encourage you, God is about to change this thing and the family of God. I have a post in the Holy Ghost. I have an assignment. He said, I looked for a man. I look for a vessel. I look for a woman to stand in the gap because when there's a gap, it's the picture according to Job chapter one, verse 10 says that there's something called a hedge. Job chapter one, verse 10 says that I put a hedge about you, uh, uh, Job, that the devil couldn't touch you. Uh, Job chapter one, has you, have you not made a hedge about Job and about his house and about all that he has on every side? that thou has and blessed the works of his hands and the substance of his increase. So this is the devil talking to God and saying, there's a hedge about Job. That means there's a fence around him. There's a wall. I can't touch him. I, and that wall is put by God, say amen. But it's sustained in the spirit realm by our positioning in the natural realm. See, what was Job doing every morning? He was every morning getting up and offering sacrifice. He was ministering to the Lord. He was in position with God. He was in relationship with other brethren. We know this because when they got in trouble, they came to assist him. See, sometimes we get in trouble and there's nobody to assist us. I want to encourage you. We need one another. We can't push people away. We've got to love beyond our feelings and come near. I hear this in the Holy Spirit. Proximity is the key to your breakthrough in this next season. You being where the Holy Ghost wants you to be. You aligning yourself. You committing yourself. You surrendering yourself to the plan and the process because no man is an island. You're not meant to be an island. And I know family in the kingdom represents the family in the natural. 
at if you were broken in your family structure, if you came from a broken family structure, even healthy family structures, uh, but if you came from a broken family structure, it will be hard to do family in the kingdom. It will be very difficult because the pastors and the and the elders and the fathers in the gospel they they symbolize and and they 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 assimilate and they resemble your natural parents and the brothers and sisters in the ministry will be like your brothers and sisters in the natural your your cousins and the people other peers and the people under you will be like the people you govern and and your children so it will be difficult it will be hard to stay connected but here is what the scripture tells us according to the word that there's something called a wall of fire Zephaniah talks about this, a wall of fire that should be surrounding us, that not everything the enemy tries to do should get to us. Zechariah, it's actually Zechariah, said Zephaniah, Zechariah 2 verse 5 says, For I said, for I saith the Lord will be unto her a wall of fire around them and will be glory in the midst of her. So now there's a wall of fire. There is a, a, a perimeter established. Listen, hear me about the spirit. There is a, a position established in the Holy Ghost. And God says, do not repeat in this season the same cycle you repeated in the last season. There is an assignment. There is a place. There is a measure. I'm going to say this again. We talked about this this weekend in, in the ministry meeting, in the workers meeting on Saturday. Those that didn't hear it need to go back and hear it. Revelation chapter 5 verse 10 says he called us kings and priests. I'm going to say this again. He called us kings and priests. And the Lord has made us under our God kings and priests. Revelations 1 verse number 10 tells us. Revelation 1, excuse me, 1 verse 6 tells us that not only are we kings and priests and has made us kings and priests, from the, uh, unto God and his father to him be glory and dominion forever so until we take on this role of a priest and a king we're not going to see glory God desires a nation according to the word a nation of priests Genesis chapter 19 tells us that God is looking for a nation of priests God is look. I'm going to say this again or actually Exodus Exodus chapter 19 tells us that God is looking for a nation of priests, a nation who will be a kingdom of priests. Let's read that. Exodus 19 verse number six. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And these are the words which the Lord spoke to the people of God. So God was looking even then. You go over to first Peter chapter one. I'm giving you Bible because let me help you understand this. Some of you may not have a minister's call, but you're called to be a priest. Some of you may have never been, you, you may have never in your life yet ministered. The Bible says we are a holy nation and we are, uh, we are a, a royal priesthood. I'm going to encourage you. You are royalty. You are a royal priesthood. You've been called as a peculiar people. You are not normal. You are called as, as glorious vessels of the honor of God. You are a royal priesthood. You are set apart for the kingdom of God. First Peter 2, 9 tells us. We're going to read that. First Peter 2, verse number 9. 
Now, this is Peter writing to the New Testament church. Hear me about the Spirit. But you are a chosen generation. Exactly what, what, uh, what, the, what the book of Exodus tells us, God is writing to the church in that time, the ecclesia, the called that ones. You're a chosen generation through, through the mouth of, of Moses. A royal, which means king, and the word priesthood is the word operation and stewards of the things of God. It is the word heretomahi, the office of priests, the order of priests, and the body of priests. A stewardship, right? Hear me by the Spirit. Don't, don't, don't go anywhere. I need you to hear me. You have a call, number one, to be a priest. And priests have one function first, to minister to God. Number two, to minister to people on behalf of God. My first call is to minister to God daily, to minister to him. You are a priest. You've maybe never been to Bible school. You maybe have never preached a message. You maybe have preached a message. You are a priest, and a priest has an assignment in the house of God. A, a role in the house of God. It may be different, but you have some kind of role and some kind of assignment in the house. It may be you're in business right now and operating in your kingly role. Now, the kingly role is your business role. It is your wealth role. It is your authority role. It is your rulership role. And your rulership role is tied to your priestly role. I'll say that again. Your kingly role is tied to your priestly role you've been chosen to rule to do business let me let me speak this to you you are ahead and not the tail you are above and you are not beneath you are blessed going in and blessed going out you should be and you are called to be i am called to be the lender and not the borrower i'm called to be above and not beneath you are a ruler you are a leader you are a king and in order to operate as a king, we must move in what the Bible calls the order of Melchizedek. Hear me about the spirit. Bless you, Pastor Ralph. So good to see you on the podcast. Your priestly role activates your kingly role. Understanding this role, accepting this role, surrendering to this role. Because in my natural mind, I equate the priestly role with just those who are ministers and pastors. Those that are fivefold, not the whole body, but all of the body has something to bring to the priestly house. Even if a season of kingly authority pulls them away from the house where they can't be there as often as they, they would like to be, they've got a tie to a house. They've got a service in the house. They've got a covenant in the house. You see, what he's going to do for you isn't for you. And this is what we don't understand. God doesn't want to bless me. He wants to make me a blessing. He doesn't want my cup full. He wants it to overflow. He doesn't want me just to live and survive. He wants me to thrive. He needs me to go into overflow so others can be blessed by what I'm going through. This is the law. So go back to 1 Kings 18.30. I'm going to say this again. You're a king. You're a ruler. God bless you. You're, you're a ruler. You're a head. You're, a, you're not a tail. Davion, welcome to the podcast. You're a ruler. So proximity, when the people came near, they became those lively stones that built an altar for the fire to fall. Now, it couldn't be 12, it couldn't be 11 stones. It couldn't be nine stones. It couldn't be seven stones, though that's a good number. God required 12. Each stone had a part to play in building the name of the Lord. And each of us have a role 
and an assignment. And this one role activates the other's role. Now, I've, I've, I've failed for this where I try to activate the kingly business anointing and not give enough attention to the priestly anointing, to the call as a priest. You're a priest. Each of us that carry Jesus. See, I'm going to ask you a question. Well, not me. Yes, you. Do you have Jesus? If you have Jesus, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 17 says, For he testifies that thou art Jesus is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Psalms also speaks this. So if you carry Jesus, you carry the high priest. So you cannot live for you. That's why he says, deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. That's why he says, unless a man loses his life, he cannot gain his life. That's why it says, in order to be first, you got to be last. In order to be greatest, you got to be least. In order to receive, you got to give. That's why he's telling you, anyone that will believe, come unto me. Lay your life down and raise up a resurrected life. This is for all New Testament believers. All New Testament believers are priests and kings. They are both, not one. I grew up in the church where you could only be a pastor, a minister. You could be a singer. You could work for the church. But beyond that, if you didn't do that, you worked in the world and you brought your tithe, your offering. And that was it. You couldn't work in ministry because you were called to what we call the secular world. That's what they taught us. You picked one or the other. But I want to prophesy you are a priest and a king. You are a, a leader. You are a doorkeeper in the house of God. You have a role and an assignment and a purpose and a plan. And the devil wants you to divorce yourself from your kingly role, your priestly role. So you never operate in your kingly role. It's always disjointed. It's always the same cycle. Season after season, we go around the mountain. God is waiting for us to realize it's not about us. It's about him. Verse, verse number 30. 1 Kings 80, Elijah said, come near, draw close, come into proximity. Now, number one, the Elijah the prophet has to allow this. Elijah the prophet, the Bible says when he saw Elisha, he was, he was plowing the ground with 12 yoke of oxen. He was his successor. He was the one who would take the mantle and walk with them and have double. Theologians said seven to 10 years that they believe Elisha walked with Elijah and served and honored and, and, and served and, and yielded and submitted his will and came under. But when it came time for Elijah to to accelerate, to go to the next level, Elisha said, I need double of what's on you. Elijah said to Elisha, if you see me when I go, you're going to have it. So as Elijah went up, Elisha went beyond him. This is the power of the slingshot anointing, the power of you fulfilling your assignment in a place, in a people, in a church. I said church. No, 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 I don't want to do anything with the church. I'm sorry, you're not going to fulfill your kingly assignment if you're not fulfilling your priestly assignment. I can say this with boldness and with confidence because what he does in your kingly authority is tied to it getting to his house, not just your house. The priestly house is the chambers of the Lord, the structure and the systems where God has made himself a house. And his house is more than just a building. It is the people that God has assigned you to. The word house is the word family. The scripture tells us, unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain. The book of Psalm tells us, unless the Lord 
build the house, you labor in vain that build it. God, the book of Psalms says, going over to get there quickly. God says we've got to build a house. Psalms chapter 127 verse 1. Psalms 127 verse 1. A song of the degrees of Solomon except the Lord build the word house there is the word buyeth and the word house is not edifice only. It is a place but it is also the word family and God is trying to build a family and if you will be really honest with yourself and we'll be honest with the issue is not the church it's family it reminds us of our family it reminds us of what was wrong in our family and so now God is assigning us to a place that will have us overcome the issues in our heart that we had with our family but we want to disconnect and divorce ourselves from our family and expect that God's kingly authority is going to bless us. And he cannot because you are assigned unless the Lord erects the family. We labor in vain that build it unless the Lord keeps the city. The watchmen watch in vain. So God is trying to build a family. He's trying to, well, there's stuff wrong with the church. There's always been stuff wrong with the church. There was division in the book of Acts. Barnabas and Peter and the apostles had sharp contention and they couldn't walk together. There was a rebuking of the new apostle Paul against Peter when Peter withdrew and stopped eating, eating with the Gentiles when the Judaizers showed up. So there was always issues in the church, but you don't divorce the church because there's issues. You don't divorce your wife if you made a covenant because the, or husband because there's problems. You work through the problem because it is your assignment. There is a doctrine and there are even bishops putting online this post I saw some weeks ago. Divorce is okay. It's okay to divorce and you shouldn't be with anybody who doesn't love you and honor you and respect you. And so-called bishops, so-called pastors are reposting this. We all know why? Because they've been so wounded and hurt. They're about to move in covenant breaking or they moved into it. And now their emotion is moving them beyond the covenant they made before God and before man. And God loves us. But if we are covenant breakers, he cannot trust us. And God watched uh, Abraham for 99 years before he gave him his son of promise. At 84, he was ready. At 84, he could birth. But he wasn't ready for his promise for 100 years, watching the man to see what kind of man he was, what kind of consistency he had, what kind of endurance he had. Even when he came in to his own identity, could he be patient to love his wife? Could he be patient to wait on her? Could he send away Ishmael knowing that Isaac was the one of promise? Could he do what God told him to do? Hear me by the spirit. Verse 30, go back to 1 Kings 18:30. Come near. What are you close to, sir? Who are you close to, ma'am? Is it God? Is it God's men? I can't, I don't feel like I can be. You have to be. I'll repeat this now. It is not the job of fathers to chase children. We've heard it before. The father don't go looking for the kids. It's not their job. They're there. They're going to wait on the side of the road with love and with compassion. But the sons have to run after the fathers. 
Now the hearts of the fathers must turn to the kids so that God can bring them because there's something called order. It doesn't mean that they're not there. doesn't mean that they're not praying and making attempts. But here, the job of the father is to wait by the side of the road with compassion and with love and with grace to accept them. The job of the father is to minister to the prodigal and the elder brother and tell them, I love you both and to grow into their compassion. But the, 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 the father can't leave the kingdom to go chase the prodigal. He can pray for them mercy and grace and believe God. There's certain things that they can do, but the hearts must turn. See, if the heart turns of the father, that's the issue. When the heart of the father turns, the heart of the, the children can turn. And then there is order and then there is process and then there is restoration and then there is help. And the church has problems. Let me make it clear. The church has issues. But God has not divorced himself from the church. He's not given up on the church. The church is the vehicle that will bring forth the glory. And there are seven kinds of churches described in the book of Revelation. But God said, I'm still going to use my church. I will not forsake the church. I will not forsake the body of Christ. Elijah said to the people, all the people, come close. And the people responded, and the Bible says healing began to happen. That word repair is the word here. It is the word rafa, that God began to use closeness, proximity, intimacy, relationship. And see, this is not, this is not normal. The prophet in that day didn't call people close. The prophet lived in the cave. He lived by himself. He lived away from the people. But the season has shifted. Come clear. Come, come to me, Jesus said. All you are, are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Well, shouldn't he, shouldn't he go chase the, 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 the lost sheep? Yes, the Bible says he can leave the 99 and go after one. He can do that. He can do that if they're lost, if they're not saved, if they're headed to hell. But it's time for the lambs to become the sheep. It's time for the lambs to come and receive water. Come and receive. And so the proclamation in the spirit, Jesus had come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and he gives rest. There is an assigned place of your rest. That assigned place of your rest, number one, is in God's presence because the first role of the priest is to minister to the Lord. The second role is to minister to people on behalf of the Lord. This is our assignment. You want to know the command? Love the Lord with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength and all, all your soul and all your strength. The second is liken unto it. Love your kingdom neighbor. That word neighbor is kingdom citizen the way you love yourself. And that's a challenge because sometimes we don't love ourselves. So now we're, we're dealing with the old woman, the old man. And because we don't love ourselves, we don't love others correctly. And God's saying that's got to grow and that's got to die. First Kings 18.30 says, Elijah said, come near. And God began to repair. Hear me by the Spirit. God says, I'm about to repair my altar. You are that altar. You are that lively stone. He repaired the altar. What is the altar? The place for the fire and the presence to stay on. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. Corinthians says, what? Know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And God is trying to bless you and try to advance you and trying to take you higher. But we're running from our commitments. Hear me running from our responsibilities 
our responsibilities as number one, his son or daughter, number one, under God, number two, his assignment to the body. Because he says to you, like he says to Peter, if you love me, I need you to feed my lambs. No, Lord, I love you, but I don't like the lambs. I don't. Now, the lambs are the baby sheep. I've said this before. Lambs are not mature. Lambs, lambs are, uh, babies are not potty trained. Babies can't feed themselves. Babies can't tend for themselves. Babies can't wipe their bottoms. Babies can't prepare their milk. Babies uh, are, are infants and it requires care. And the challenge is, can we give them care? Can we build a community and keep a standard of holiness and purity, but also compassion and also grace on things that we don't relate to? He healed the altar where it was broken down. I'm going to look at that word again, that word uh, repair there. According to the scripture that God repaired the altar, that is, again is the word Rapha. God is going to repair. Hear me. I need you to write this. God is repairing the altar. God is repairing. You are that altar. I'm going to say that you, God is healing the areas of your heart. I didn't know I was wounded until I went through what I went through. I didn't realize I was broken until this happened in the family, in the relationship. I, 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 just, I just thought it's how I was. No, sir. No, ma'am. You're called for covenant community. You know you're not meant to be alone. You know you're not meant to be isolated. You know you're meant to build a covenant community with a people. God is repairing your altar. You are that altar. Bible says that the altar had been broken down. That is the word haras, to tear down, to break down, to beat down, to destroy, to pluck, to ruin the destroyer. The destroyer comes in what has not been raised up for the Lord, to throw down, to break down to overthrow the destroyer, to, to, to bring destruction. What has the enemy plundered? What has the enemy come in to steal and to kill and to destroy? God, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to re restore this in your life. I'm going to heal this in your heart. I'm going to heal this internally so we can be healthy men and women of God and build a covenant community for the kingdom of God. Look at verse 31. So now God calls number one, the people of God into proximity. I'm not going to let go of that today. There is a proximity you are being called to. Whether you feel like it or you don't. Whether you want it or you don't. Whether I need my seat. Listen, ma'am. Listen, sir. You can go around the mountain and repeat the same thing in this season you had in the next. Or you can overcome. You can hear the Holy Ghost. You can put yourself in position. Number one with God and number two with God's man and God's woman for your life and God's community around you. God wants to assign you this place. Bible says they, he called them and there was a call. There is a call to commitment now. You see, in order for your gift to come forth, you're going to have to plant that gift and commit that gift and be willing to be subject, be willing to be yielded and trust where God plants you even when it doesn't make sense. Elijah said to the people, come near, there came, verse 31, Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the twelve. Not nine stones, not 10, not 11. It had to be 12. Each stone had a significant, a significance. There was a significant role that each stone played in the bigger picture. And when a stone is not in position, there is a gap. 
when a stone that God has ordained is not in position, there is a gap. And we just read Ezekiel 22, 30, when a stone and a gap is there, and a, and a hedge is drawn down, and there's a gap there, a destroyer comes in. An enemy comes in. It's like shoulder to shoulder. We're supposed to be shoulder to shoulder. But we're going through. We're battling. We're warring. We're internally going through these things. And so we leave gaps in the, lit, in the line of the Spirit, in the fence of the Holy Ghost. Sought for a man among them to make up the hedge, to stand in the gap that I should not destroy it, but I found none. God is looking for those to stand. Verse 31, so Elijah took 12 stones. He put them in position. The Bible says, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel should be thy name. Now, here's what we say. Well, when we get over this thing, and I believe there is a new perspective coming, when I'm no longer Jacob and I become Israel, then I'll come and I'll get in position. It doesn't work that way. You're going to have to come and God's going to call you. I don't know all the details. I know we need to preserve the altar. We need to walk in purity. We cannot drop the standard. But God is saying, I want you to come. And though you may still be dealing with Jacob, I'm calling you Israel in the future. You still come anyway. We say, well, after I deal with all these things and after I get it all correct, I understand this principle. I get it. We've got to, we, we, we can't be hypocrite, two-faced. But in reality, the old face is already dead. The old man is already dead. The old habit is already, well, I'm still working through the process. You're not going to work through it without a community, without a people. Every man needs a community every woman needs a family in the spirit not me i'm god's holy ghost wonder woman i'm god's holy ghost lone ranger i can do it alone no ma'am no sir no brother no sister you need a community around you you need a covenant group you may be that one stone but there's 12 more stones you may be that one what one priest but it takes four or more priests it takes at least four that are the same height to carry the Ark of the Covenant. You can't have a six-foot priest and a three-foot priest. The, the, the Ark would be lopsided. You need a, 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 a measure. You need a standard that we all move to, to carry the glory of the Lord on your shoulders, on your mind, and on your wheel. Verse 31, he took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes. Each tribe represented a stone. Each individual was a piece in the bigger picture. You are valuable. You are needed. You are required. That's why you didn't die. That's why you didn't backslide. That's why God saved you. That's why, because you are a part of a bigger picture, a bigger global movement of God that is a part of a, a, a chain in a link, a thread in the quilt of the masterpiece of the tapestry of what God is creating. And he healed the altar. And the Bible says this healing changed him from Jacob. And the Bible says the word of the Lord came saying, Israel will be thy name. That, that terminology is you may not feel like Jacob yet. And that's the challenge. We don't feel like what God says we are all the time. Let me make it clear. You don't feel like you're that all the time. Sometimes you feel like you're exactly the opposite of what God's telling you. 
God said, I, you will be Israel. You feel like Jacob. You will be, you will be Peter. You feel like Simon. You will be Abraham, but I feel like Abraham. You will be Sarah, but I feel like Sarah. You will. You will be this mighty man of God, but I feel like I'm this. You will be Paul, but I feel like I'm Saul. You feel like the old person. And those feelings of infirmity have to be submitted. Here's what the scripture says. We have already died. We are dead. I need to write in Christ. We are already dead. And our life is hid in Christ. We are dead. Colossians 3 verse 3 tells us Colossians 3 verse 3 says for you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God and there's something called the body of Christ and you are a part of a larger body a local body a local church and there are gifts you need to bring but there are things you need to receive you got to be very watchful of people keep telling you they're coming just to bring things, but they don't want to receive. That is not covenant one way. You're not coming just to bring. And I'm coming just to help you. And I'm coming just to lift your hands. And I'm coming to do this for you. Okay, what are you coming to receive? Because covenant is exchange. You're coming to help, meaning you've got the answers. So you should be the pastor. You should be the apostle. You should be the bishop. No, no, no. I'm coming to receive. And I'm coming to give. I'm coming to, to, to yield but I'm also coming to advance. I'm coming to be a recipient, but also I'm coming to be a one who deposits. I'm making withdrawals and I'm making deposits. I'm making withdrawals and I'm making deposits. For you are dead. And that's why we feel what we feel when we're not surrendered. It's like this grievous weight, but when we surrender, that weight lifts off of us. And our life is hidden the word hidden is covered, crypto, concealed. It is covered up and apocalypto, apocalypto, it is the unveiling of what's there. It's a revelation. It's hidden with Christ inside of God. God wants to reveal, verse number two, go back to Colossians 3 verse 2, in order for us to, Actually, go to one. We'll read one. Colossians 3, verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek the things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Now, we know he's at the right hand, but Ephesians says you're seated in heavenly places in him, not with him. So you're risen. Colossians is verifying if you're risen with him, you've got to put your affections on the spiritual things. You've got to now seek the things which are above. Your, your desires and your interests and your focus must be on the heavenly things. Now the word above is not just above your head. Remember, it's before. Anno, where we get the word anathen, quarter of time, four more time. Anno, G507, former time time former the time before you've got to seek an interest in who you were before you were here so that you could be transformed to who you've always been verse 2 says set your affections on the time before time on who you've always been the word affection is the word for neo 
to understand, to feel, to think, opinions, desires, cravings, judge one's opinion, mind, thoughts, perspectives, concerns, wills, interests, our affections have to be on what was before, not on the earthly things. You deal with earthly things, but these earthly things cannot have your heart. We are dead and your life is hidden with Christ. I'm just about done. First Kings 18.31 tells us that the scripture says, according to the word of the Lord, that he took these 12 stones. And the Bible says Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, under whom the Lord said, the Lord, the word of the Lord came saying, Israel will be your name. Remember, Israel means to wrestle with God and prevail. But it also means God prevails, to wrestle, to prevail. That God wins, he wins. Verse number 32. And with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. I'm going to say that again. Each stone, I saw this, was a letter in the name of God. And with one stone missing, the name wasn't completed. So God waits for a season for the person to realize they're that stone in the coming position. Or, unfortunately, he has to raise up another. And that's not his desire. He waits long-suffering for us to decide that's what we want, to choose that's what we want, and now to grow into that. But God is going to have an army. There will be 12 stones in position. There will be 12 stones rocks that come together because we've been transformed and we were sand but now we're rock we used to build on sand we used to build on convenience and comfort and ease and what was the easy way what was the most inexpensive way and what was the the, the fastest way to get there now we're looking at character and integrity and righteousness and endurance and faithfulness and an ability to endure, to remain steadfast in our spirits. Men and women, the Bible says like trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that God is glorified. Can you hear me about the Spirit? God wants to be glorified. He wants to minister life to you and through you. He wants to open up realms and mysteries to you. He wants to cause you to be that door and that gateway. He built this altar. The Bible says he built it in the name of the Lord. And as he built this altar in the name of the Lord, he prepared for a season and a time. Down to verse number 38. And when the altar was built, and the Bible says the altar, and there was now a sacrifice. Verse number 33, read this. He built an altar, then the wood. Then he put an order, the wood. And the bullock in pieces, he laid it on the wood. And he filled four barrels of water and poured it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. He said, do it a second time, do it a third time. They did it a third time. And the water ran about the altar and he filled the trench with water. So he made space. He put something on this altar, which was called sacrifice. The bullock was the sacrifice of extreme value. It wasn't the pigeon. It wasn't the turtle dove. It wasn't the meal. If you were impoverished, you brought a little bit of meal, flour, and you laid it on the altar. If you didn't have much, you brought sacrifice. If you were doing okay 
and you, you were doing a little bit better than impoverished you were doing but you were just making it you bought the turtle dove you bought just the little pigeon the turtle dove the dove if if you if you had means you bought the lamb if you were overflowing you bought the ox the bullock the bull the bull represented the large sacrifice it represented the hundredfold and he said i need to bring the bullock i need you to lay the wood specifically now i need you to douse it with 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 four barrels of water 12 times how many barrels four how many times three four barrels three times equals 12 12 barrels of water for 12 tribes remember there had been no rain for three and a half years so now water was very scarce they're in a drought you remember when drought hits, they tell you don't water your lawn but once a week because you're in drought. Now he's taking 12, not cups of water, barrels of water, and he douses the altar with sacrifice. I'm not taking an offering. I'm telling you, you are that sacrifice. He cuts the sacrifice into pieces. He lays it specifically in an arrangement, and then he covers that thing with water, barrel after barrel to cleanse the false worship that took place at Mount Carmel just a few minutes ago. The, the prophets of Baal had polluted the mountain with their perversion. Don't, you, you just have to study. You can even Google what it, what the sacrifices of Baal worship was. The perversion, the filth that took place on that, on that altar. And now the water is cleansing it and washing it. But it's, it's, it's scarce. Whatever is scarce, offer it. This is a beautiful law. I'm tired. I don't feel like it. I'm sick. I'm frustrated. Offer anyway. I'm, 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 in, I'm in a moment. Offer anyway. I'm feeling in my body. Offer it anyway. I, because that's when it's the most valuable. When you offer that which God is asking you for in a time of overflow, God receives it. But when you offer God that which he's asking in a time of need, it is called acceptable sacrifice. And that's why even in times of overflow, he stretches you. Not because he needs more, he's seeing the heart of the man. God never wanted Isaac. God was going to use Isaac to bless the nations of the world. He was never trying to take from him. He was trying to get to him. But imagine the thoughts in the mind of a father. What kind of God would ask me for my son? What kind of God would demand what I believed all these years for and tell me to do harm to my neck? What kind of God? And that's what we go through. We battle as priests with our role. And we use the sake of family. We say, well, uh, you know what? I, I can't really commit because I've got to take care of the family. In truth, the family is falling apart. In truth, the children are lost. The marriage is on life support. In truth, you're sick in your body and, and, and you're going through financial issues and you can't help the family. The family, here's what the Holy Ghost told me. You leaving the altar to go and tend to the family is, is causing you to forsake something. It doesn't mean you shouldn't take care of your family. Doesn't mean you shouldn't have family night and have, have date night and have have family altars but you're not going to meet your family chasing them in the world 
They're going to meet you on the altar. I'm going to say that again to you. You're not going to meet them going after them. Doesn't mean you shouldn't go to a picnic. I'm not telling you not to go out to dinner and pray for them and love them. But I'm going to tell you, you're not going to meet them there. They're going to meet you with love at the altar. And so what you're doing that your mind is telling you, is this really necessary? Is this role of a priest really necessary? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. It is the greatest honor and the greatest privilege of this generation to be priests and kings unto God first. I'm a priest unto God and I'm a king unto God. Then I'm a priest unto the people. Then I'm a king in the world. And if I don't understand that role correctly, I will get it confused. And there is a doctrine out there. A spirit that wants to talk you out of giving everything. Because you remember when you first came to the Lord, you were willing to give him anything. And now through experience and through disappointment and through hurt, now we're reasoning the commitment we made at an altar 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30. And God says, I need you to remember your first love. I'm not trying to hold out on you. They're going to meet you at the altar. Hear me by the Holy Ghost. It is you as an altar, and it is a place that you must assign yourself to. You must tie the word covenant. The word covenant, again, uh, Galatians 6 verse 9. I'm out of time. It's time to pray. But here is what the Holy Ghost wants us to realize, that we must tie ourselves to the kingdom of God. And let us not be tired of doing good. And let us not be weary in well-doing think about that you ever got tired of doing good why would a Christian be tired of doing good unless there's something in us that's still not good I felt that listen to me I'm, 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 I'm not going to do this I'm going where, where are we going yield ourselves we can't run from the Lord what else is there I'm just going to take a break. I'm going to take a little vacation. I'm going on sabbatical. And usually sabbatical is the, the door right before they're out of the door. That's how that works. I'm taking a break. And then after the break, I'm, I'm breaking covenant. They're breaking it. Because you're looking for rest and there is no rest. And after the sabbatical, it's still tiresome. Then after now you've broken the covenant and moved out of your covenant position, it's still even worse. It doesn't leave you. Because the calling of your life doesn't leave if you forsake your priestly call. You say, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to go and make money. I'm going to go and do my stuff. And if God loves you, he will not let you prosper. He won't let you get away. And I believe he loves you too much to leave you to yourself. To leave me to myself. Let us not get tired of doing well. And now internally, well comes out of me not from force to force myself to lift my hands to force myself to love people who have been rude and hurt and to no no it's not a force once love increases you actually feel like doing it 
You understand the promise of God is when you love those who hated you and pray for those who took advantage of you and you bless those who cursed you and you do good to those who did evil you. God is getting your reward ready. He's, he's heaping your reward and he's putting more and he's putting more. And God says, if you do this, you watch the reward I give you. You realize it. And now you suffer with joy like the apostles for his name's sake. Because you see the reward. That's all it is. Sometimes we can't see the reward. And if we cannot see the reward, the Bible says the people perish. Where there's no vision, the people perish. Where there's no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the vision, they are content, happy, fulfilled, satisfied, restful. For the vision will speak and it will not lie. Hear me by the Spirit. Don't go weary in doing well, for you will have something called due season. Something called a season of due, where everything culminates. Time, resource, places, people, anointing, character. It all culminates in one suddenly after another, suddenly after another, suddenly. And now things just start to come because it's the season of due. Galatians 6, 9, don't grow weary in doing well. For in due season, I declare, you will see your due season. No, I won't. I'll never come out of this. I'm never going to make it. The devil is a liar. That voice in your mind is a liar. It is a person and he is a liar. It is a devil trying to talk you out because you're closer than you've ever been. Due season there. The Bible says due there is the word self belonging to one. Payment. Due. Ours. Aside. Due. His. Your own. The season that belongs to you. See, the Bible says there's something called the day of the Lord. A day, a year, a generation that's his. But as you start living for God and you give him your life and you no longer live for you every day, now God says, now I'm going to give you a season. I'm going to give you a time. I'm going to give you a kairos, which will invade your chronos. A kairos is a heavenly season that will manifest on your earthly time. I'm out of, I'm out of time. But here's what Ecclesiastes 3 verse number 1 says. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. To everything there is a kairos. And there is a time to purpose under heaven. Remember, time is under heaven. I'm going to say this with me. Time is not in heaven, it's under. And seasons unlock time. So if you step into your season, time will bow. You've got to step into that season internally, mentally, emotionally. In the, on the inside, so that as you receive the due season in your mind, it manifests the earthly time. Something called seasons and times. Seasons and times. Again, to everything, there is seasons. Seasons, kairoses. And a time to purpose in heaven. So here's purpose. Here's time. And as you step into purpose, time activates. And you move in a season. Here's what the book of Acts chapter number 
One tells us they are talking to Jesus. They say, Lord, will, will, will the Lord, will, verse number, Acts chapter 1, they ask him, are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Again, Acts chapter number 1. Acts chapter 1 verse 6. And when they were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you now at this time, Kronos, restore the kingdom to Israel? At this time, Israel is under Roman occupation. So are you going to overthrow Caesar? Are the angels coming? Right? The response of Jesus, verse 7. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons. All right? You don't know the time, chronos, or the seasons, kairos, which the Father has put under his own power. The word power is exousia. Listen, hear me about the Spirit. Times and seasons work together. God is trying to release the season that activates the time. The season is internally four seasons of the earth. Winter, fall, summer, spring, however they're arranged. All four, winter, fall, winter, spring, summer, fall, winter. And these seasons are secular. And there are seasons in the kingdom. And in order for you to step into a season, it doesn't happen because you're alive long. You can die in the earthly time that you were never meant to die from. Look at the children of Israel. They were not meant to die in the wilderness. They had to overcome internally, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. They had to control their confessions. Even when no one was watching because God is always listening to the words from our mouth. And they walked in the wilderness for 40 years. God gave them a 40-year grace period to make an 11-day journey and they wouldn't make it. So God allowed them to die and he took their kids. I'm telling you, you're not meant to die in wilderness wandering. You're meant for the land of promise. You're meant for the, for the land of milk and honey. You're meant to flow in overflow. But hear me by the Spirit. The Lord is saying, come near, draw nigh to God, number one to him. I hear this strongly. Draw nigh to God and God will show you the brethren, the system, the people, the covering, the leadership that you're to draw near to as a priest. I said as some kind of a priest, some kind. That's who I'm talking to. I'm talking to businessmen who also have a priestly call and you're trying to understand those roles. But the Holy Ghost wants me to tell you, sir, ma'am, the kingdom has need of you. I said the kingdom has need of you. There is a place and there is a family that you will be number one under authority. Number two, you will have friends and brothers and peers. Number three, you will be a leader. You will be in authority. You will be in relationship with peers, but also you will be under safety and covering. 
And when we are hurt, sometimes that sounds weird. It doesn't sound like anything we want. That is called the kingdom. And in order to receive what you have, your inheritance, it's going to come through the kingdom. I've got to pray with you. First Kings 18, 32, he built, 32 says, he built an altar with these stones in the name of the Lord. Then verse 38 says, as he went down, he prepared the altar. Verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell. Oh God. Then the glory of the Lord came on down. There was restoration. There was alignment. There was repentance. There was healing. Remember, they had been in idol worship. Remember, they had been worshiping the, uh, the, 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 at, at, the, at the altars of Baal. They had been under the influence of Jezebel's prophets. There had to be repentance. There had to be a change of mind. And now they are in connection and in influence and under the right kind of connection and covering. And the Bible says now they come into position. They sacrifice. They bring something and they lay it on the altar. Then God answers by fire. And the Bible says God consumed the burnt sacrifice. When God's fire comes, it's looking for something on an altar to land on. That is your heart. That's mine. And it consumed the wood and the stones and the dust. And it licked up the water. Remember, God is after true worship. It comes from your heart. The next verse tells us, then, verse 40, when the fire of God fell, Elijah said, take the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they took them and they brought them down to the brook Keshun and they slew them all. God deals with false prophets. God dealt with them. You don't have to deal with them. God will deal with them. God deals with false altars. The altars are broken down. And now there's a slaying of wrong alignment. There's a, an end of it. And verse 41 says, when this happened, Elijah said, get up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of an abundance of rain. I'm going to repeat this under you. God is desireful by his spirit to send rain. Rain is what? Increase. It's harvest increase. God wants to send a harvest increase. He wants you to increase in the harvest. He wants you to increase in the spirit. He wants you to increase in the multiplication of the power and the presence of the Lord. Actually, we, we skip verse 39. When the fire fell, 38, go to 38. The fire of the Lord fell, consumed the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, licked up the altar. Verse 39 says, and when the people saw this, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is our God. So when this happened, immediately the whole country turns back to God. I'm out of time. I'm going to pray for you. This takes place and a national repentance happens. Number one, the people fall on their face. Number two, then God deals with the prophets of Baal. Then God deals with these corrupt governments, governors, presidents, prime ministers. These systems of perversion that want to steal and kill and destroy. Make no mistake, it's not about Democrat or Republican. It's not about blue or red. It's not about black or white. It's about good and evil. And there was evil in this world and it must be stood against. And you don't pray for evil. You rebuke this thing. Yes, you pray for leadership, but this is the spirit of antichrist that wants the shedding of babies' blood, that wants our kids 
The Satanist church said they're coming for our kids. You don't pray for that. You pray that God redeem the man, but you pray that God rebuke this demonic spirit. And either God re repents them or he removed them. That's up to God. But we're coming with power and with force. And when God does this thing, when God does it in the church, it's not the devil that's stopping us. It's not the Antichrist or the witches or Baal or the prophets of Baal. It's not perversion. It's not, it's not sin. It's not abominations that are happening. It is the church that has been divided. It's the kingdom that has been separated because of offense. In all levels, it's not just one level, not just some people. Everyone's wounded, everyone's hurt, everyone's gone through suffering. But Lord, help us to overcome. I'm going to pray for you. The fire of the Lord fell and the people repented immediately. The nation turned back to God. You want to know why? Why we're running around the world like we, why we're going to London why we're going to South Africa, Florida, why every month we're raising an altar, we got a lot to do. We don't need anything else to do. We don't need a good conference. We don't need good preaching. We need an altar in these regions that will initiate the fire of God to turn America back to Jesus. We need an altar and we need stones on that altar to know their role and to come into position. Not more, not less. Not above what they are, not beneath what they are. We need that to happen in the UK. We need it to happen. That, that, we need that same fire to fall and turn the country in South Africa, in Ethiopia. We need it to happen all around the world. We need it in Pakistan. We need it in Asia. We need it in Indonesia. We need it in different regions of the world in North America. We need it in South America. We need the fire to fall and turn nations back to the Lord. Isaiah 60 says that I'm going to rise, I'm going to shine, and the light of God's glory will come on me and on you. That a great darkness will cover the earth. Verse 1 says that we are to arise and we are to shine, for the glory of the Lord will rise on us. God is going to release His glory, His fire on living altars, on living vessels who yield themselves. Elevate and expel the darkness. Elevate and expel the darkness. Influence and expel. Not just influence for the sake of influence. Didn't he have a good message? Doesn't he have a good talk show? Doesn't he have a good podcast? No, sir. No, ma'am. Arise and expel the darkness. Expose the darkness. Speak the truth in love. Be a light in the midst of the darkness. Don't compromise and talk about all this craziness and not deal with issues because you don't want to be censored. Don't not deal with biblical truth because you don't want to, you water down the gospel. We got to tell them what's happening in the earth as the sons of Issachar. I'm out of time. Verse two says, darkness will cover the earth and a gross darkness will cover the people. A spirit of delusion, a spirit of lunacy, a spirit of confusion will be on a generation and it will seek to infiltrate the church that a great darkness will be globally global shutdowns, global pandemics, global famines, global earthquakes, global wildfires like Hawaii, global shaking happens. And then a gross deception over people where they call evil good and good evil. I'm out of time. But the Lord will arise upon you and the glory of the Lord will be seen upon you. The Lord in the midst of this will arise on certain men and women. You can be glory watchers or glory carriers. 
That's what he told me. You can be a glory follower or a glory carrier. I want to carry the glory. It will arise upon you and the glory, his glory will be seen upon you. Last verse, verse 30. Verse 3, I'm sorry, six, Isaiah 6, 3. And the nations will come to your light. You want to know why? Because it's so bad. It's so broken. It's so destroyed. The nations will come to your light. The nations will come to the brightness of your rising. And earthly kings will look for solutions from you. This is not figurative. This is literal. Who me? Yes, you. But I don't have enough education. Education. I'm not trained enough. I'm not equipped. This is why God, like his disciples that he made apostles, picked unlearned men to give them wisdom and knowledge and counsel as long as they are teachable. As long as they remain in position, honoring, God will transfer the wisdom. I don't have the knowledge. You don't have the knowledge. But God is looking to give it to you. I want to pray for you. If you're listening to me, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Here's what the Spirit is telling you. Elijah is calling the people to come near. That proximity and honor are the keys of exchange. And the hearts of the fathers, God's dealing first with the fathers. I believe that. The mothers, the parents, he's dealing with their hearts. And God is healing the hearts of fathers, healing the hearts of mothers. God is going to heal the hearts of real fathers, not fake fathers, not imitation fathers, but real fathers and mothers in the kingdom. God, I pray for those hearts. For fathers and mothers, God, heal the hearts of fathers and let them turn toward a generation that is untoward. An untoward generation, a generation that seems to be on a path headed to hell. A Jacob generation, but God, you said they are yours. You said this generation has been chosen by you. And we stand in agreement now by the power of the blood over this generation that mothers and fathers would arise beyond their years. Now I ask you now for the hearts of sons and daughters to be healed from the trauma, from the wounds. Hear me by the Spirit. I see good men and women under the sound of my voice. I see men who love God and want the will of God. It's just brokenness. It's hurt on every side, not just one side. There's no party to blame and finger pointing. It is a time that we yield ourselves and submit ourselves and come to one another and bridge this gap, bridge these wounds, bridge these hurts so the body can be well. And I pray as the hearts of the fathers turn to the children and the children to the fathers, according to Malachi, you remove the curse that is on the ground and you unloose the wisdom, the mind of God of the righteous to deal with the spirit of rebellion, to heal the rebellion. And all it is, is a generation that feels wounded and broken. God, give us a love for this generation. Give us wisdom. Give us counsel. Give us might. Strengthen the men of God on this line. Strengthen the women of God who are called. I'm speaking to the world changers right now. I'm speaking to the men and women who are funders, who are called to be kings in this earth, 
who are kings and they are leaders and they are rulers and they are heads and they are authority and they are funders and they are millionaires and they are entrepreneurs and they are inventors and they are writers and they are designers and they are men and women that are heads and not tail but they are also priests God give us grace as priests a kingdom of priests I ask it now strengthen our hearts that we merge the families of God with the families of our own houses. Let us bridge this now. I speak this over each and life and each mind and each spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. If you agree, someone say amen and amen. So I'm, I'm grateful you're with us. It indeed is an unusual grace that was here to teach today about the positioning and the purpose of the kingdom. I believe that God is loosing you to your season at an appointed time. And that season is inside before it's on the outside. So I'm going to encourage you, man of God, woman of God, you keep moving forward. God bless you, Susan. Welcome to the podcast. Lydia, welcome. Those that joined us, we're grateful you're with us. If you were impacted, I'm going to ask you to share this podcast, those listening on all forms of live podcast or the broadcast, the rebroadcast on our Charisma Podcast Network. If you were touched and ministered to share the podcast, hit that link, copy it, share it, and paste it on your YouTube channel, on your Facebook link. However you share, make sure to share that and make sure you're reaching those who need the word of the Lord in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. We're grateful you were here with our Freedom Global Prophetic Podcast. Again, this is the senior pastor of This Rock International, Nathaniel Leon. I'm glad you're with us. We're praying for you. If you were impacted by this podcast, you can find more information at thisrockinternational.org. Again, thisrockinternational.org is our ministry uh, page. You can find out more information about our ministry here in Southern California in Riverside. But be sure to do that work of the evangelist share the podcast like the podcast and we can't wait to see you next week on our freedom global prophetic podcast god bless you we love you we'll see you then amen thank you for listening to freedom global prophetic podcast with apostle nathaniel leon stay up to date with our latest episodes by subscribing on your favorite podcast app youtube or by liking us on facebook at this rock international thank you for listening and have a blessed day